in unsurpassed, penetrating, and perfect dharma is rarely met with even in a hundred thousand million dharmas, having it to see and listen to, to remember and accept. I vow to taste the truth of the Tathagata's words. Good morning. I brought this out this way. Uh, I came in the mail last week, and I was very touched, and I will explain. It contains a Raksu. It says that, dear Kokusai Fukuyoshi, which is what I am, it's only for a Kokusai Fukuyoshi for celebration gift of the 100th anniversary of our office, which is the, of the Soto Zen headquarters in Los Angeles, or in the United States, really. And the head priest of Soto Shu, Reverend Shuko Ishizuki, head priest of Sojiji, wrote on the backside, Hashu Kyoko. And I will explain that. This is the Raksu. It probably says my name on it, but I'm not sure. Maybe not. The text referred to is probably the big uh, characters in the middle. So I think this, these were given out at, probably at the conference that I went to for a day a few weeks ago. And then I left and may have stuck them with a hotel bill. So, Hashu Kyoko, hold hands and walk together. It means hold hands and walk together. What we are holding together are the hands of the ancestral teachers. When oneself has completely become the Buddha's enlightenment, there emerges the joy of living the life as a Buddha. We say one would then cultivate awareness to live the life shared with the ancestors who have transmitted, inherited and transmitted the true wondrous mind of Nirvana from the Shakyamuni Buddha. In Soto Zen school, we cherish the value of waboku, harmony and peace, where we live a devoted life with priests and lay members together sharing their presence. The word hashu kyoko, hold hands and walk together, stands for the significance of such embodiment. So hold hands and walk together. And I just was very and am, I'm very touched by that. I understand it, as he says, but and also in a more prosaic sense, that holding hands and walking together. And it isn't only that we are walking together, we are supported by, we are the ancestors, but we're just walking together and and that our one way of understanding our vow to save all beings our vow to live in harmony i think the the third of those intentions is what is it uh with all beings bringing harmony is it you know i can't i can't remember it out of context in the in the uh, in the full moon ceremony, we say, "With all beings, ding, 
<laughs> bringing harmony to everyone. Free from hindrance. Free from hindrance. Thank you. I just that was free from hindrance. But the, bringing harmony. We walk together. We hold hands together. We support each other to find harmony. To bring harmony. And as I always remind and us, hold your own hand. Walk in harmony with yourself. Take care of yourself. And I, receiving this, I felt that I was walking in harmony with the ASCB, American Soto Buddhist Association, something like that. And the name changed at some point. So, anyway, the ASCB. I mean, I really do. I am touched that I am included, um, even though I'm a rather poor representative, or was this year. And I left so abruptly because we had a three-day sashin, and the three-day sewing sashin, such a wonderful experience to be together and sort of hanging out together for three days. And not even talking all that much. That really touched me, and I want to talk about it in combination with something else that I uh, learned of recently. I'm going to be interviewed by a person whose name I have access to, but I certainly don't remember it, this coming Tuesday. And he's, he's interviewing a lot of Zen teachers all over the place. And so he directed me to his, what he asked me, he directed me to his website saying, this is what I've done. So I could kind of look and see like who'd already been interviewed and what they, some of them have said. Didn't read them all, but there was one where he sat down with Sojin and Blanche, and I think Steve Stuckey. I'm not sure, but at any rate, the abbots of the San Francisco Zen Center at the time, and Mel, who was no longer uh, an abbot there, but had been and was an abbot at Berkeley, and one of the things they they talked about was Suzuki Roshi, and Mel said. He told a story. He said that years and years ago, he was with Katagiri Roshi and Suzuki Roshi, and he asked what was the meaning of the rope chant of the Daisai, Keda, Kupu, Puku, so on. Um, and they probably didn't have it translated yet. They probably did it entirely in Japanese. So he asked what the meaning was, and Katagiri immediately started, you know, translating it and giving him the word by word and so on. And Suzuki Roshi said, stop, stop. It means love. It just means love. And Mel obviously was very touched by that, as, as am I. What a, it's such a big word. It isn't something I think of Suzuki Roshi even talking about, but that great robe of liberation, field far beyond form and emptiness, wearing Tagata's teachings, saving all beings, about love. It's about hands and walking together. And it's so sweet. And it is, it is about love. All of it. And it's not a word I often use because I am a little allergic to too much sweetness. 
And I am definitely very allergic to glibity. And it's easy to say, oh, it's all about love. God is love. I just stopped myself from saying, you know, the Zen way is love is love. <laughs> That's Zen glib. That ridiculous vow to save all beings. Nothing but love. Then you have to ask yourself, how? And you have to ask yourself, well, what does that mean for me? You know, like, I'm not going to go magically make the war in Ukraine go away or of all the trans people in this country. And what is it for me? I vow to save all beings. I want that to mean something. So I don't let myself off the hook by saying, ah, well, I can't do anything. What does it mean for me? And it means a lot of different things. But what I'm interested in now is that, that we ask ourselves that question, what is for me? How do I hold hands with you? And I'm talking to people online, and I'm talking to people here, and I'm talking to whoever listens to this down the road. I mean to hold hands with you. And that is part of my vow. I mean to hold hands with myself. And that's part of my vow. I wrote on the, on the blog on, on uh, Facebook about what I just had been looking at. I didn't write particularly about that. I struggled to get through something. I knew my last few talks, it had felt like <laughs> pulling teeth. It was very difficult, and I'm sure you were aware that there are a lot of kind of long pauses. And the, the Dharma was not flowing for me. Usually, I have a lot to say, and I have to just stop at some point. And examples come to me, and stories come to me, because stories and examples are very important in talks. And it wasn't happening. And I took these four days that we took off from, you know, we closed Saturday and, and Monday and Tuesday. And the lawyers did not meet that weekend. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to stay home and stay quiet and turn towards this. What, what is this? And, you know, a lot came up very useful. And, you know, some of it is, is fear, fear of death and fear of change. And, Fear of the unknown. I don't know what will happen next year. I don't know if I have enough money. I think I do, but I'm not, you know, you don't know. What if I live to 100? Then what? Hmm. So, I mean, it was just, you know, I could examples, but it was, it's more, forgive this word, inchoate than that, really. And I was aware that I had been singing this song, which I did mention in, in the, uh, in the blog and I get to sing it. So it's the Ado Annie song from, uh, Oklahoma and it's terribly sexist, but it's really fun to sing. And it's, um, the, I, it's not, this isn't the whole thing. Ado Annie is uh, the one that, that she, she was a little loose, let's say. I'm sure that they, were, they weren't saying that she was sleeping around but she was probably kissing too much or something. Anyway, her song is, 
I'm just a gal who can't say no. I'm in a terrible fix. I always say, come on, let's go. And just when I order, say, nay. Supposing he, your lips are like cherries, roses, or berries. What you gonna do? Spit in his eye? <laughs> <laughs> so I had been singing my, that to myself for a while, and it's partly just fun. During these four days, I, I turned to it. I asked myself, why, why that song? Why that song? And I realized that it's about saying no, that I, I need to say no, it's time to, um, to stop. And I do have Dharma tendency to say, to say yes, maybe too soon or too much, I don't know. But at any rate, it's time to say no, and it's hard to say no. And it's scary to say no. It was all very useful. And it is, for me, part of me being in harmony with myself, taking myself in hand, holding my hand, and saying, I'm going to walk through these four days without doing stuff. One of the ways that I understand Sangha, this Sangha, our Sangha, is that we're holding each other's hands, we're supporting each other supporting each other to practice. Every time you show up, it supports my practice. And that's true for each person in this Sangha. It, it matters that you show up in person if you can or online if you can, because each of us supports the other. And you probably know from your own experience, if you show up and you're the only one, where there are only a couple of people, you can feel it. And if two more people came in, you would feel that support. It's, it's um, palpable. Nobody's going to see this when they listen to it, so they won't know. This is number mode, and this is, we have a rather sparse group today. <laughs> it matters to know that you matter, that you are showing up really does matter. It matters to me. It matters to each other. I do count the house. <laughs> I confess that I confessed that to Mel years ago. I, I, I thought I was confessing it, and he was gonna, I don't know, tell me to cut it out, or I don't know. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have or hundred people. It doesn't matter. I, so I confessed to him that I count the house, and he said, you know what? Every morning I walk in the Zendo, I count the house. So I felt better. <laughs> but it isn't literally counting the house so much as, as being aware of the, the bodies, because it does, you know, we, we create each other. You create me and I create you. And we create each other as student and teacher. And sometimes you're the teacher and sometimes I am. But we're co-creating this event, whatever it is. That's one of the things that Sangha is. It's, it's co-creating this temple, including the, the physical place. I write notes to myself. I was talking to somebody who was, she was just, she was so at Berkeley, and she, we, we had lunch the other day, and she was, how do you prepare for lecture? 
I told her, and one of the things I told her is, I don't write very I compute when I do. I mean, you have to figure your way of doing it. Everybody does. But I find that, you know, examples and stories come to me as I, as I talk, or I give an idea, I start talking, and then the idea gets developed further. So if I have too much detail in my notes or my outline, it's confusing because I'm going off over here and I, I, and I like that and I think it's useful because it's, it's uh, more lively. Anyways, I'm going off over here and I'm way off to my, my right hand. My right hand is extended away. And then I come back to this paper in front of me and I can't really find my place. It doesn't fit in <laughs> anymore. And then I can drive myself nuts trying to figure out how do I get back here? Do I want to say that? You know, I don't know. It's just, it's not, for me, it doesn't, it does not work to have too much detail. So I tend to have a major topic and then I write discuss and I control myself to not start writing other, you know, sub ideas. Because when I do, that's when I get in trouble and I need to trust the Dharma. And I do, I trust the Dharma, I trust the Sangha. And that, uh, that trust was not there the last month or so. And that's what the, my hesitation, it was like I was coming up against a blank wall and I knew that a lot of it was fear-based, but I, I, I needed to have some space to be able to turn towards that. And also just to get to the point of being willing to. One of the things I do is in the margin on the left-hand side, I write a few ideas that I want to make sure that I get to, or that might be helpful stories, or sometimes things that that I could segue into if I run out of things to talk about <laughs> and even 10 minutes or something. So I have a note here that I, I, uh, I want to use as a segue, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, that this notion of holding hands and walking together, this notion of loving one another and loving all beings, it's an agape kind of love, you understand? The intrinsic love, I think, that we have if we're open to it. That it's not a sexual or a familial love. It's a deeper, different, I don't know. I think it's got to include those things, I guess, is what I want to say. But at any rate, I wrote down on the margin, I said, it's not just skipping jaunty, jolly down the road of life. Probably, I will say, I just like that sentence. So. <laughs> but, but we need to remember that, you know, that this deep love, this harmony, this holding hands is not always easy. Even with people that we're um, close to and kind of aligned with. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, part of me is thinking, well, what about Donald Trump and DeSantis and anti-gay laws and don't say woke and on and on and on and on. That's a different talk and I've given it enough times that I'm not doing it. Aside from the, the political stuff, it's not always easy and it doesn't always uh, come without struggle. 
we need to support one another to engage, engage in that struggle within ourselves, but also with each other or with our families or, or at work and so on. And you may or may not include the other person. I had somebody that I worked with years ago and she was just difficult for me. And I felt sort of like she didn't like me or something. I didn't work directly with her. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to love her. I'm just going to love her. I won't, I didn't go up to her and say, I love you. <laughs> but I just thought, just, just love her. Just be friendly and love her. And, and things turned around almost immediately because I think the whole thing was in my, my head. She was the secretary to the executive director and I was the head of the legal department. So there was a, a power dynamic that, you know, I was a top manager and she was a secretary. And I think she just, she just didn't feel that comfortable with me or, you know, she didn't feel comfortable being informal. But we became friends. But just that I changed my attitude, just trying to be friendly. And that friendship may have been available to me all along. I don't know. I needed to work that through. And there's a woman at City Center whom I actually like a lot and liked a lot. And But she she told me once, she, she said, I don't remember even how it came up, she said, I think you don't like me. And I thought, oh. And so I tried to pay attention to how I related to her. We didn't interact a lot in our work, but I tried to be just to be more friendly. And I asked myself, you know, do I dislike her? And I realized I didn't, I did not dislike her, but I didn't actively like her either. And I didn't know her. So I tried to get to know her a little better and so on, and it, it, it eased a lot. And one final thing that about harmony, when I was at Tassajara a long time ago, I was the Eno. I was in charge of the Zendo and ceremonies and so on. And there were some uh, conflicts. One man was upset at the way the serving was going of the meals was kind of fast because I emphasized to the they go fast from one person to another when they're with them then be with them and da, da, da. but when you're walking to the next group or walking sometimes you're walking like around a corner and you're walking away you know to, to walk quickly because people's knees are hurting and so on and it triggered him we didn't know that at the time but and all we knew was uh, somebody who was in the I wasn't the, you know, I was the head Dawn, and that's why I was in charge of the service company. Anyway, um, the Eno was our, our boss. When she was in the uh, dining room on a day off, and a lot of people would just get a, like a, you know, a plate of food and um, put it in the refrigerator somewhere where they walk in, and then take it out for lunch rather than making a bag lunch. So this guy was, was in there eating his lunch off of a plate. And I don't know what she said. She somehow, the exchange triggered him and he took the plate and he threw it. And of course, there were people in there 
and that sort of spread through the practice period very quickly. And uh, the other thing was another guy. You know, he he was he was short, but he he looked like a lumberjack. He looked like a redneck, and he wasn't like he wasn't that kind of person. But that's he kind of looked like that. And he got triggered by something or another in the coffee tea area, and he started yelling and swearing a lot. You know, a lot. Not just fuck you, but a lot, on and on, and that kind of language. And of course, a lot of people heard it. So there were these two conflicts, and it was shocking. It's not that people, people are hard, having a hard time often during practice period, but it's usually more internal and not so acting out so. And I went and talked to, Mel was leading that practice period, and I went and talked to him about it and said, I thought that we should like, have a sangha meeting or something to talk about it. And he agreed, and so he called everybody together, and, and we were in the zendo, and he started talking, and he started talking about how Suzuki Roshi said that sangha should mix like milk and water, just immediately become one and so on. And he was going on like that and and, uh, and I raised my hand and said, what about, what about when it's not? <laughs> and he, he, he uh, said, I don't know, I mean, but he got it. He, you know, he had gone, he was talking about something that was close, was close to his heart and is close to my heart, that people support each other and that we get along and so on. and, and have that closeness, but he was forgetting that there was a, a little problemo. <laughs> and so he, he brought it up and he opened it up and each of these guys explained and apologized. And it was so powerful. And I don't remember about the guy that's where I don't remember what he said. I know that he also apologized and acknowledged it, but uh, the one who threw the plate talked about how triggering it was for him when things moved so quickly in the zendo because as he when he was growing up his father was a real authoritarian and and meals were supposed to be over quickly and when his father was done you were done no matter what and you either ate your dinner really fast or you didn't get it or you got half of it maybe and so there was always this there was pressure to just to eat your dinner, but also what kind of an atmosphere is that to be eating in? This pressure, so that for him, the servers moving quickly was a tremendous trigger. And whatever the Eno said, she she brought that up for him, and he just lost it. You know, once he explained, then it just changed everything. And maybe we didn't move quite as fast as. I don't remember, uh, but I realized that I maybe had been pushing too hard, maybe at least for him. And they didn't, wasn't, you know, I really was emphasizing because I didn't like to sit. <laughs> just, it was just very powerful to see what, how this whole group of people, you know, there were like 50 people there probably. And it just changed the atmosphere in the room that these guys were able to acknowledge what was going on and explain it 
and apologize to the Sangha. And that to me is also holding hands and walking together and great love and real harmony, real harmony. And it's not just skipping down the yellow brick road. So I, I'm very, I'm happy to wear this Raksu. Does anybody have any comments or questions or examples or whatever? Kelly? I just have a quick one. What, what is, what is, I don't know the term agape. Mm. It's a, 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 I think it's Greek. Uh -huh. And it means love. But it's a, um, I think of this as, this is how Mel talks about it. And, and I, I mean, it's not these, and there's a, they, they say there's three kinds of love. Mm -hmm. There's, I think there's sexual love, familial love, mm -hmm. and agape love. And so agape is the kind of that is not so much centered on a, a person or a group. It's more basic and more generalized than that. Mm, okay. So it's, it's, it's sort of a, to say it, it's, it's just sort of a, 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 a love of the situation or a love of your experience or... Bigger, deeper. Bigger. A love of the world. You could say that. Or it seems to me that it's a love that's inherent in us mm -hmm. for one another and for the universe, maybe, or all beings. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we say that one of our jobs is to uncover our Buddha nature, mm -hmm. to uncover that agape love, that it's, it's there and you, you, you experience it now and again. But we often, I think we, we forget it. Mm -hmm. Anybody else have, you want to say anything about agape? It's A-G-A-P-E. I often hear it in the, the Christian context and sort of like the command to love one another. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I basically think that's pretty good, but... but being commanded to love one another, I don't think gets at it. <laughs> no, but also I've heard it that, that it's Christ's love. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah. So in Christianity, people try to be Christ-like. They try to love people so much that they would even sacrifice their own life. Mm -hmm. There's a wonderful Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, sermon that I talked about a couple of times, his birthday. He says, love thy neighbor means love your neighbor. It's not a la-la land thing. It's not his phrase. Mm -hmm. It really means it, and love your enemy. And then he talks about it in concrete terms. He talks about, you know, look, turn, turn the light inwardly. Look at yourself, you know, if you, if you hate somebody, uh, you know, do you, do you hate them because they remind you of how you're, uncle who abused you walked and there's nothing they can do about that uh, or or um, did you do something that you feel guilty about or don't worry about the moat in their eye worry about the splinter ears <laughs> i don't know that christ meant it mm -hmm. literally he meant love your enemy he didn't mean try to or whatever he just meant i have it online if anybody wants it i have it I think Alan found it somewhere, Alan Sanaki. Anything else? I just wanted to add that it's really 
hard to hold hands with oneself, I think. Well, that's my experience anyway. I think I'm doing it. I think I'm looking, I'm saying, okay, if I do this, maybe it will be useful. If I do that, yeah, and I have the skills to do it and I'm in the right position. And I start to feel happy when I think about it, but then I still realize I haven't gone deep enough and, and asked whether I include myself in that. My concrete example lately is in, in the job search, I keep saying, um, you know, I did that and I kind of liked it when I worked and yeah, I think I could do that for someone. And I forget, yeah, but was I happy when I did that? You know, really, but it applies to all kinds of things. Yep. For me, uh, I've just been recently thinking of contacting one of my cousins in Illinois who I haven't been in touch with since pre-Trump days. And uh, we had connected because I was letting him know when I, our mother died. And, and he's a woodworker and we kind of exchanged some emails for a little while and it tapered off. And anyway, I, I don't want to make a long story of it. I've got a, something to pass back over to that side of the family. I was thinking at some point, so I was thinking of contacting him. But I'm, I'm kind of thinking about these divisions and, and how to uh, not get pulled into divisiveness. And I can kind of get a mental image of kind of how to handle that, which to me is kind of a first step to maybe being able to do that. <laughs> but, um, so it's kind of been on my mind recently, how do you, how to, how to bridge those divides and to just emphasize the, the kindness and being a good person. And, you know, I don't care what your politics are, kind of <laughs> more of an attitude. So anyway, it's a work in progress I'm thinking about now. I have relatives in Minnesota, I guess, anyway, or Michigan, somewhere, the upper Midwest. And I know one of them said years ago that she voted for Trump. I think it was in the primary, but it might have been the general election. And I, I think probably they're Trumpers still, I don't know. And I've been thinking about contacting the one that I feel closeness to, and I haven't done it. One of the things that I tell myself, and I think it's probably true, is that they must be awfully scared. It's somebody who is into that kind of cult kind of way of thinking is must be really frightened and maybe frightened of the wrong things, you know, frightened of black people coming and taking over or too many brown people coming into the country or whatever. And still they're frightened. And I know what it feels like to be frightened and to act out from frightened, frightenedness. So I don't know if that's useful to you, uh, Liam, but it, 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 uh, it helps me to contemplate being kinder. So, and it's hard. We're, we're walking with you. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Karma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. 
Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it.